Hear the word of the Lord for us this morning. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and God we do once again turn to you in great adoration and praise, for you have spoken to us. Now, Lord, we pray that you would burn it into our hearts and use it for the furthering of your kingdom in our lives and in this world, we pray in your Son's name. Amen. Please be seated, and if you would, grab your Bibles, and if you turn to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. How do you begin to summarize 2020? As people of God who are attuned to the Lord's ear, to to the Lord's voice, as we listen carefully to the Lord, how do we summarize this past year? And not only that, but how do we look beyond this year or think of this year in light of how it sets us up for the time that is coming? My mother is a wonderful cook. I have had the great blessing of having two marvelous cooks in my life, uh, my wife currently and my mother as I was growing up. One of the great things about my mother's cooking was that no meal was ever complete if it didn't end with dessert. She had a great interest, a great desire, always including some dessert at the end of every meal. So it was always a marvelous way to end every meal with a dessert that she would make. It'd be pies or cakes or cookies or some type of a sweet. She would always do a fabulous job of providing some kind of a sweet or dessert to end the meal. Now, I don't know, I've never asked her this, but I would assume that the dessert that she picked would be cued or tuned somehow to the meal that we just ate. I would guess that there are some desserts that would fit well or better with certain meals and other things, and so she would match the dessert, so to speak, with the meal so that it would wrap up. It would summarize the meal well for us. But not only that, in our household, the dessert didn't just bring to completion the mealtime, it was also intended to kind of set up the evening. That sweetness, that uh, taste in your mouth would carry on past the actual mealtime into our fellowship together as a family into the evenings. There would be that time both of bringing to completion the meal, but also looking forward into the rest of the evening. Many of you who have been worshiping with us for some time might have recognized the text that we read here for us today. And that is because over the past year, I have very frequently, very frequently used this passage as a benediction to wrap up our worship service. I chose this text intentionally, and upon reflection, looking back over the year, I'm very grateful that the Lord led us to this passage. A benediction is a good speaking, the Latin for good speaking, and the idea is good word. It is the final word that the church hears from God as the church moves out into God's world to serve in the world that he calls us to. Now, the idea of a benediction is that it serves kind of two purposes. One is it looks back at what the worship service was like and says, okay, this is what we have done, and it charts out for us the 
the movement of worship that we do, all the things that we have adored and, and celebrated about the work and the redemption of God. But then the benediction also, it's kind of the last opportunity for God during that worship service to say to the people, okay, now as you go forth from this place, this is what you are supposed to say. This is what you are supposed to think uh, in light of the worship service. This is how you go into the world. So a benediction, and if you worship here at Hebron, you will note that almost every worship service we have a formal benediction. That's not just some rite that we follow or some ritual that we are obsessed with. Rather, the idea is we want to summarize everything that's happened in the worship service and say, look, this is what we've been talking about. And then we want to hear one last time from God as he moves us into service in his world. That's what a benediction serves with each and every week. I would like to look at this passage and hold it forth as a benediction, not just for this particular worship service, and not for the individual worship services that we have had throughout this year, but I want to take a look at this benediction and look at it in terms of that this is what our Lord is giving us as a good word to summarize everything that has happened in the past year and to prepare us to move into the future. Just like the dessert summarizes the meal, but also sets up the evening. So I want to look at this passage as God's word to us for summarizing 2020 and looking forward into 2021. The passage begins, verse 20, now may the God of peace, now uh, it begins with, uh, with this idea of, of may, it's a request that is being offered, and that's indeed what we're going to see as we go through this passage together, that we are making a request, that the author here is saying, now may God do something like this. It helps just to point out that this is a different type of a word or a different type of a sense uh, to the word may than what we often use. If I say to you, I come up to you and say, hey, I really hope you have a good day today. May you have a good evening tonight. Uh, basically, what I'm doing is I'm saying, boy, I, I really hope that you have one. I'm, it's, a, it's a good wish on my part that you would have a good evening tonight or something like that. This is a different sense of the word may. This is a, the formal grammatical term. It's an optative. And an optative is not just wishful thinking, it is rather the anticipation of what God is doing. And so when the author here says, now may God do this, he's not just saying, gee, I really hope for all of my readers that God does something like this. Rather, what he's doing is he's saying, now with anticipation of what God is going to do. This is the anticipation of what the Lord is doing. So when he says, may this happen, this is not just a, a hope of the biblical author, Rather, what he's saying is, look, this is what you are experiencing. Now let's hear what it is that you are experiencing. So just like this benediction, may the God of peace, just like this closes out the book of Hebrews and launches the reader into their ministry throughout this world, so I believe that this passage does a good job for us of launching us from 2020 into 2021. Now, may the God of peace. Now, it's interesting here. Uh, we understand what it means, the God of peace. Uh, God here is the author of peace. 
If there is ever peace in this world, either in a um, global sense, uh, peace between nations or something like that, or in an individual sense, uh, calmness, uh, uh, a, uh, a peace in your own heart, all of that sense of peace comes from God. God is the author of those things. But it's also interesting to remember that God doesn't offer something that he himself does not have. When we identify, when the author here identifies God as a God of peace, he is identifying for us, hey, now may God, who is the one who is peaceful in of himself. We looked at peace a number of weeks ago here at Hebron, and we talked about how peace means a completeness, a totality, a maturity, a, 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 a shalom, an essence, a harmony of the person coming together. Here we have the sense, now may the God of peace. Now, when we look back over this past year, it's hard to identify a peaceful time. Very few of us, I think, would argue that 2020 has been a peaceful time. Globally, we have had the pandemic that has been raging. We have had political upheavals. We've had social discord and dis difficulties that have rocked things. We've had individuals that have suffered through the economic difficulties that we're going through. You can make a massive list of the chaos that is all around us. When we look back at 2020, I can't imagine that most of us won't look back on it and say that has been a tough year. And yet, the text here is calling us, I think, as believers who listen to the word of God to rather look back with the eyes of faith and say, now may the God of peace. Why does the author choose that particular description of God? He doesn't say now the God of love, which God certainly is. Or he doesn't say the God of justice, which God certainly is. Or the God of holiness. Or the God who created us. Or the God who will judge us or redeem us. He could have said all these things. Instead, he focuses upon this one particular characteristic. Now may the God of peace. And I believe that's why this text is so apropos, I believe, for us today as we're thinking about what it means to close out the year 2020 and to move into 2021. May the God of peace. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the author here now is saying, now may God, now he's not defining this God versus a whole bunch of other gods. He's not saying, hey, the God I'm talking about is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. It's clear we've got one God. Rather, what he's doing is he's emphasizing that particular characteristic of God. Now may the God of peace Remember the one who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of this is simply to emphasize the awesome power of our God. We're about to ask God to do something. Now may God do this, which we're going to get to, but before we do that, we emphasize who this God is. This is a God who has the immense power that he brings back from the dead, Jesus Christ. That's certainly part of this, and as I speak with people, as they go through 2020, it is no surprise that so many folks not really question the power of God, but wonder if God is using that power. We know that he can, but does he work powerfully in this way? And the author reminds us that, yes, this is the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. 
But I think the focus of this text is not so much on the fact that Christ has the power to raise Jesus from the dead. He has the power to do all these things. But once more, getting back to this idea that it's the God of peace. Now, what kind of separation, what kind of discord would ever stop the God of peace? Let's think of the most horrific thought process of discord in your mind. If you're a history buff or a military history buff, you can think of the horror, horrific wars that rage throughout this world. Or if you can make it very personal, think of what it's like and the, the disharmony that you feel or the hatred even or enmity that you might have towards another individual who, let's say, betrays you or abuses you or demeans you in some fashion or another. Imagine the worst case scenario that separates you from another person and realize that this God of peace overcomes the greatest of all separations, the separation of life and death. I believe what the author is doing here is not so much highlighting the power of God, his ability to raise Jesus from the dead, but look at the peace that this God is offering. This God is offering the peace that he is able to bring into harmony, bring together the most separated things in the world, life and death in Jesus Christ. And not only that, but being separated totally and completely from the Father. For that's truly what death is. Death is being separated completely and totally from all the goodness, all the mercy, all the blessings that is our Lord and Savior. And here we are talking about a God of peace, and the peace that is being put forward here, remember, is that peace that is, yes, even able to bridge the gap between death and life, but even to bring together again that which God himself has separated through the punishment of sin upon Jesus Christ. He has brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, as you look back at 2020, no matter the difficulties that you personally have gone through or what we have experienced as a society, the struggles that our church has gone through, the struggles that our world has gone through, we can imagine all of the discord that is here. Nothing begins to come close to the discord that sin effects in the life of the Godhead when the Father separated was separated from the Son and now that he bridges that gap by bringing Jesus Christ back from the dead. That's the power. That's the love and the commitment of our God. When we say, when we anticipate, hey, now may God do something, we are looking at this God, the God who is so peaceful that he can bring harmony into any and every situation. There is no chaos that our God cannot cover. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. Now, this is a description now of Jesus Christ, and if you've uh, read your scriptures well, you know that this is not the only time that God is referred to as the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, in chapter 21, John 10, Ezekiel 33. Over and over again, we have this picture of God as the shepherd of the sheep. Now, the shepherd has lots of different functions. A shepherd does a lot of different things, but all of them focus somewhere around the security and comfort 
and peace of the sheep. That's what the shepherd does. By identifying the Lord Jesus Christ here as the great shepherd of the sheep, the author here is focusing, emphasizing, giving us a picture of Jesus Christ as the one who has committed himself in every possible way to your peace, to your security, to your safety. That's what it means that he is a great shepherd of the sheep. Now, we think a sheep, I think, generally is nice little fluffy animals or whatever, but being called or being identified with the sheep, which the people of God are, that's the message here. Jesus is a great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is a great shepherd of the church. We are the sheep. Being uh, referred to as sheep is not a compliment. Uh, sheep are not intelligent animals. They're, they're willful. They're uh, on their own. They're oblivious to their surroundings all too often. And by identifying Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep here, once again, the essence of the peace that God is is being brought sharply into our minds. Because this is a peace where, not, not where we are neglecting the harmony that could be ours, but where we are intentionally turning away from it. We willfully put our heads down and move in the directions that we think best. We determine what is best for us. How often during this past year, when faced with the struggles politically, or the struggles with COVID, or the struggles in your neighborhood, or the struggles in your family, have you done what you thought is best? That's sheep. Instead, what the sheep are intended to do is follow after the good shepherd. And so the whole idea here of focusing upon the God of peace who has the power to bring back the dead and who has the desire and the ability even to unify that which is so completely separated when it comes to the sheep, our own willfulness, the God of peace overcomes even that. And how does he do so? The great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. Now may the God of peace, who again brought from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. The eternal covenant here, um, uh, that's, that sounds Christianese, that sounds like big words or whatever, uh, but the eternal covenant basically is just another way of referencing the faithfulness of God to his promises. God has promised certain things for his people. God has promised to be a certain way to his people, and he will fulfill those promises. That's his eternal covenant. The blessings that he has promised to pour out upon his people are not things that we have to strive for. They're not things that we have to work at. They are things that he has promised for us. He has given us those, and that happens through the blood of the eternal covenant. And of course, the blood immediately brings to mind the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as it should. The very lifeblood of God himself, of Jesus himself, poured into fulfilling his covenant promises. When we're talking about the God of peace, we're not talking about a God who ignores the difficulties, nor ignores the chaos around you. He's not absent or distant from every struggle that we are undergoing in 2020. He is present in every aspect, every minute of that time, and he is not ignorant of those. Rather, he has already given so completely and totally of everything necessary 
his own blood to fulfill the promises of his eternal covenant. When we look back at 2020, and we see the hardships, and we know the difficulties, and all of the struggles that have gone on in 2020, we need to see first and foremost, because we are the people of God, and because we are attentive to his voice, we need first and foremost to see that he has been faithful to his covenant promises. And we know that because he has shed Christ's own blood to accomplish that. So we get this picture of a God of peace, of the enormous blessings of this God of peace, and the way in which he is able to give so completely and totally of himself as the God of peace. And most of us, when we look back at 2020, don't see God that way. But that's how he's presenting himself to us. In light of all the situation, ignoring all of the circumstances that will blind you to the reality of the word of God, know this truth. During 2020, you look back at it and you see it from the filter of the God of peace who by the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 21, the author now says, okay, if this is the God we're talking about, if we're focusing upon this God who is able to bring peace, harmony, completeness, maturity into your life, what are we going to ask him to do? Verse 21, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. So we're asking this great God of peace, now may he equip you, may this God equip you with everything good. Now, equipping is a particular word here. I was thinking about it the other day. If, if some, I, I'm fairly good with computers and stuff like that, but if you want to equip me with a new piece of technology, just don't bring it to me in a box. It, to, for me to be equipped to use something, a new piece of technology, say, to equip me with it, you've got to come, you've got to actually work, you've got to set it up, you've got to show me how it works, you've got to already integrate it into my life. The idea here that what we're asking, now may God do this, may God equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he just give you a big package that has everything good for doing his will. That's not the idea of the word. Instead, the idea is uh, when soldiers used to go into battle, uh, particularly in the mid-ages and stuff like that, they would have so much heavy armor and stuff like that that they couldn't carry it all themselves. So they had squires and, and helpers and stuff like that that would actually carry the armor. And what they would do is actually equip the soldier for battle. That's what we're asking God to do here. As we look back on 2020, that's what we've been asking God to do, that he would equip us with everything good Wow. Imagine that. Your God, the God of peace, the one who has the power to raise the dead and who desires to raise the dead, that God has equipping you through 2020, as chaos as it's been and as difficult as that's been. For, and think, some people that are hearing me at this point are looking back at their life saying, you have no idea what I've gone through in 22, 2020. You're right. I don't. But I know that this is the word of God, and we are to look back in 22, 2020 and see the fact that our Lord has been equipping you with everything good. Now, everything good? I can think of thousands of things that I think are good. 
And that's why the author doesn't stop there by saying, may he equip you with everything good. It's may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. That's the prayer here. That's the ask. That's the blessing that we are looking at. That's the way we look at 2020. Not that in the past, not that God has given, been given me everything good, but that he has been giving me everything good for doing his will. And that's what we are launched into. Like dessert launches us into the evening, we are being launched into 2020. What is my prayer? What is a biblical prayer for you in 2020, 2021? That you will experience exactly those blessings. That you will be equipped with everything good for doing his will. And of course, that's so often why I have a hard time looking back at 2020. And why I probably will have a hard time looking forward to 2021. Because all too often, the equipping that God is right now doing and giving me everything good, I want it to be according to my will. But that's not what the text says. The text is explicit that he is equipping me. He is equipping you. But he is giving you everything that you need for his will. Now, isn't that great that he is doing that in 2020, that he is moving that forward into 2021, and how does that happen? The end of verse 21. May he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, that's first, and then secondly, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. I have a wonderful hammer. It's a 20-ounce hammer, and every time I get a chance to use it, I always use it, and it's great because the hammer is a tool. But i got to tell you, the tool in my mind, as much as I like that hammer, it's just a tool. It's just something that I use. And if we get stuck on the first part of verse 21, that God is equipping us with everything we need for his will, we might simply think of ourselves just as hammers. We're wonderful 20-ounce hammers that our Lord uses to wield to build his kingdom. And that's not right. Because the last half of verse 21 adds in that he is working in us that which is pleasing in, our, in his sight. In other words, this equipping... This thing that he is doing, he's not doing to it, doing for us simply so we might be effective tools in his, in his world, but rather so that we might be transformed from the inside out. He is working in us so that we might be pleasing in his sight. He is transforming us. Every person, no matter how brutal your 2020 was, no matter how difficult your 2021 will yet be, no matter how joyous perhaps your 2020 was and how joyful your 2021 will be, every one of us are being shaped and molded. He is working in us so that we might be pleasing in his sight. Now, if indeed that's what he's been doing in 2020, in the midst of everything else, if that's the way the people of God should be looking at it, that the God of peace, who has all of this power and blessing, that he has been working in me, 
what is pleasing in his sight, and preparing me for service in his kingdom, if that's really the way we're supposed to look at 2020, why is it that I feel so deflated all the time? Why is it so hard for me to see that in my own life? How, why is it so hard for me to see it in the lives of the, my brothers and sisters who I interact with all the time in the faith? Is it because I hear that charge, we hear that charge, and assume that that's what we're supposed to do. Hey, I'm supposed to be equipped to serve the Lord and to know his will, so I need to know his will so I can be equipped to do it, and then I'm going to work really hard so I'm pleasing in God's sight. That's not what he says. May he equip you with everything good that you might do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. The means, the instrument, the method, whereby everything we've been reading about comes to its possibility. How is it that the God of peace is going to do this? What do we mean that we even ask the God of peace to do any of these things? We can only do so because we have the means, the power, the blessing, the promise of Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus Christ that you and I are being transformed every day into something that is pleasing in his sight. It is through Jesus Christ that we are being equipped to further his kingdom here within this world. Jesus Christ is the means by which all of this happens. And the fear is, when you read that far, that it sounds like this blessing is all about us. May God equip me to be this way, and may he work in me this way. It sounds all about us, especially then when we get to Jesus Christ and we find out that he's the manner, he's the instrument, he's the means by which all of these wonderful things are happening to me. Until we make sure that we read the rest of the text, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. This passage is not about your transformation. This passage is not about your equipping. This passage is not about what the God of peace is doing for us. 2020 is not about the chaos of our life. 2021 is not about the chaos that is going to yet continue, I'm sure, in various ways into our lives. It's not about all the blessing. And all. This is about the glory of Jesus Christ. For the glory of Jesus Christ, we have gone through 2020, and with the eyes of this passage, we see it as the work of the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that he might equip us, that every believer here might be equipped for service in his kingdom, and that he might be pleased by what he works in us, now and forevermore. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, we do ask for that great blessing that you would pour out upon us, that we would be shaped, molded, transformed, exactly as you describe in this passage, that we might be pleasing in your sight, and that you might equip us with everything good to do your will. Lord, all made possible through Jesus Christ and all made so that he might be honored, that he might be glorified. Lord, we want to be those kind of people, men and women, shaped by your word, transformed into your servants 
Now and forevermore we pray. Amen.